marijuana, pot, ganja, reefer, grass, cannabis, Mary Jane. It has many names, but those in medical marijuana states spell it R-E-L-I-E-F. From cancer to epilepsy, it has shown to be an effective solution for many suffering patients. 38 states have legalized medical marijuana for specific conditions. But in the labyrinth of laws across the United States, many are left behind. The biggest group affected? Women. That's coming up on The Deep Cut. In terms of cannabis use, women account for just about 40%. There are grounds to believe, though, that this number is actually much higher. Alex Hadley, CEO of Consumer Research Alliance for Therapeutics, believes women might use both medically and recreationally even more than men. Sadly, they are held hostage by stigma and responsibilities. As Hadley has stated previously, quote, they are afraid to admit it because they're moms and the risk is too high. They don't want to lose their jobs or their kids. As a previous High Times article has pointed out, quote, as a society, we don't really know much about women in cannabis. No truer statement has probably ever been uttered in the magazine. But if prohibition is to end, men better wise up and women better listen up. Unless pot policy gets a feminine twist, nothing is going to change with Mary Jane. To understand how women whip policy, it is important to understand some recent and not-so-recent history. Consider what the 2016 election taught us. It was all about women. One was a woman who did not understand women, and one was a womanizer who said strange things about women. Since the election, there has not been a day without a swarm of Facebook memes regarding birth control, abortion, or women's health care. The Women's March in D.C. drew nearly half a million protesters, about three times the amount that were at Trump's inauguration the day before. Before Trump, there was Obama. In 2008, his presidency ushered in debate over contraceptives and access to birth control. Sandra Fluke came on the scene, whined a bit, and got massive media coverage. After Obamacare, a Supreme Court challenge by Hobby Lobby, and a workaround rule, women finally got the result they wanted free birth control provided by insurance companies. This trend of women cajoling men to get policy passed dates back to the suffrage movement. In 1919, the 19th Amendment had passed both the House and Senate, but needed ratified by three-fourths of the states to be adopted. In less than a year, 35 states had ratified it. With southern states refuting the measure, the decision was left hanging by one state, Tennessee. And it was left to just one representative, 23-year-old Harry T. Byrne. He was not in favor of it, but his mother told him, quote, don't forget to be a good boy and vote for it. And the rest is history. Even the right to vote depended on a woman using her wiles to get what she wants. The other conversation on women's health care has been absent. If you can terminate a pregnancy, if you can demand others to pay for your contraception, shouldn't you be able to treat the process that supports both of these? According to Congress, which is 80% male, the answer is a resounding no. The lesson they need to learn, ganja is a girl's best friend. In 2015, there was a vast effort to remove the stigma against women's cycles. In fact, it was called The Year of the Period by NPR, and The Year of the Period went public by Cosmopolitan magazine. It spurred activism and hashtags galore on Twitter. Late-night talk show hosts talked about female genitalia, women let their cycles show through their clothes, and Facebook was asked to create an I'm on my period button. But it didn't end there. This once private and personal health issue went so mainstream that even President Obama discussed menstruation, the first time a president has done so. He was asked about the trending complaint of feminist, menstruation and taxes. In 40 states, feminine hygiene products were taxed as luxury items, while Rogaine and Viagra weren't. Women in the United States spend about $3.1 billion on feminine hygiene products every year. 
That's quite a windfall of tax revenue. While calling this a luxury is blatantly paradoxical, legislative reforms shouldn't stop here. Feminist virtue signaling had found a top-shelf way to make men uncomfortable. Yet this menstrual equality was the much-delayed reaction to Gloria Steinem's plea over 30 years ago. In her 1978 satirical essay published in Miss Magazine, Steinem said, quote, What would happen, for instance, if suddenly, magically, men could menstruate and women could not? The answer is clear. Menstruation would become an enviable, boastworthy, masculine event. Men would brag about how long and how much. In some states, women can purchase marijuana suppositories. Cannabis brand Foria claims users report, quote, significant decrease in the pain and discomfort often associated with menstruation. This is accomplished by channeling THC and CBD to target the immune system and nerve endings to ease cramping. Foria isn't alone in this pot-for-periods line of thinking. However, to use any of these products legally, you must reside in a medical marijuana state. Even then, some states do not list menstruation as a qualifying condition for a medical marijuana card. Outside these states, a woman is left to balance medical needs with becoming a criminal. A woman should never have to leave her zip code to determine her health care options. Outside of these conditions, a woman is left to balance medical needs with becoming a criminal. And a woman should never have to leave her zip code to determine her health care options. There are over-the-counter medications, prescriptions, even homeopathic ways to tackle cycle pain. But liberty is not about forcing options onto someone. It is about the freedom to choose. For many, these legal options fail to suffice. Furthermore, someone shouldn't have to take pharmaceuticals or over-the-counter drugs to ease the ache. Every pill has a side effect and a warning. The war on drugs started in the 80s. To defeat part of it and make marijuana legal for medical purposes will require a battle of the sexes. These votes matter to politicians, and if marijuana can be tied to women, the debate will get the attention it deserves. However, women having the power must translate into using the power, and that requires a strong message. If insurance companies should not consider pregnancy a pre-existing condition, then the government shouldn't consider a woman's cycle a crime. Yet a woman's access to medical marijuana is dependent on where she lives. Nine in ten women suffer from menstrual pain. Twenty percent find the pain so unbearable it interferes with daily life activities. But this is not a one-time occurrence. A woman will menstruate over 500 times in her life. If you want relief with reefer, then you better live in the half of America that lets you self-medicate. America's cry of independence was taxation without representation. For women today, it is menstruation without prescription. The expectations for women are rising. Congress even briefly considered requiring women to enlist in the selective service. If we are putting a gun in the hands of women to fight on the front lines, even thinking that we should draft them, then surely we can trust them with a joint in their hand. Elizabeth of Great Britain caught on early. She is attributed with using marijuana for menstrual pain. Using is not the only role women have had in pushing marijuana legislation forward. In the 80s, Brownie Mary, a medical activist, baked special brownies for AIDS victims in San Francisco. By 1996, women had become a key constituency for Proposition 215. Their ads featured a 67-year-old nurse using the herb to aid her dying cancer-stricken husband. According to the experts on the topic, the National Organization to Reform Marijuana Laws, they understand the importance of women in the marijuana issue. Their Women's Alliance says the following, quote, There is no doubt that once women, especially mothers, become educated about the social and economic cost of marijuana prohibition, the scope of the national mainstream conversation will be changed for good.
It's a time when women are more likely to vote than the men in their life. Each new generation has a lessening hostility towards marijuana, finding favor with it in spite of their parents or grandparents. The emergence of identity politics gives women a unique opportunity to legitimize marijuana for medical purposes. Leveraging the political environment with women's health gives promise to real debate and serious consideration. It is a way to force Congress to deal with this issue once and for all. And according to the facts, the American people are on board. Women in Congress are on board. The social and cultural discourse is in line. The wait is over. Policy windows open and policy windows close, with younger voters shaping the electorate and women's issues fast becoming a political cornerstone, the medical marijuana zeitgeist has arrived. Keeping this window open requires women to recognize how instrumental their role in policymaking is and how marijuana laws discriminate based on zip code. When this happens, they will be a joint away from being pain-free.